0: Where's all my stuff? I'm, I'm pretty sure when I went to work this morning, there was a lot of stuff in this house, and there ain't no stuff. No- Hello, and welcome to the Evil Logger's Guide to Life. I am Jay Lucas, the Evil Logger, and today we're going to talk about the sneak attack divorce. And we all know that sneak attacks aren't exactly cool. Ask Japan. They sank three boats, we unleashed the sun. So, anyway, I'm not suggesting that you nuke your ex. <laughs> Maybe I am. Anything you hear on this show is intended for entertainment purposes only. It is not legal advice. It does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you would like to have an attorney-client relationship with me, you can whine me, dine me, and see. anyway, um, feel free to give me a call at 844-EVIL-LAW. Or you can find me on Facebook at Evil Lawyers Guide on Twitter at at Evil Law Guide. They stole my yours. Or on the web at EvilLawyersguide.com. With all that out of the way, I'd love for you to hire me, but if you don't, like I said, this is for entertainment purposes only. So sit back and hear some stories about sneak attack divorces. I've got some good ones. Um In my limited 25-year experience of litigating family law cases, mostly high-conflict, high-asset cases, but we also um, had guys around the office that did the cheap stuff, the sneak attack divorce is generally a female thing. Um, In a couple of weeks, we're going to do a show called Ask a Lesbian. And if I can remember, we'll ask some of our lesbians If they have divorced their partners since gay marriage became legal a couple of years ago, and if they have, then we're going to ask them about sneak attacks. But right now, I'm just going on my experience in the fine halls of the Texas matrimonial courts, and my experiences have been about 50-50. I've represented men and women, but i think can think of only one guy who sneak attack divorced his wife. And I can think of a lot of women who did. Remember, women file 80% of the divorces. So if you file 80% of the divorces and say 30% are sneak attacks, that's a lot of sneak attack divorces. And that's a lot of really pissed off guys out there Walking around wondering what happened to all their shit and where's it all gone. Now, we had one case, and I think we talked about her in the Gold Digger Gold Medalist uh, episode, where for decades, maybe a decade and a half, for a long time, this woman had been plotting her exit from the marriage and had squirreled away lots of millions of dollars in offshore accounts, and it was a multi-year process involving forensic accounting, and a whole herd of lawyers to even try and get some of that money back, and a lot of it we were never able to recover because it was just gone. So if you've got that level of sociopathy in your ex and you happen to be wealthy, I hope you're keeping your eyes on the books because she got him for, um Scientifically speaking, a gazillion dollars, a tremendous amount of money, and the uh, 10 or 15 years of stealing money from the community estate, and I'm going to use some terms of art here. Community estate is y'all's, separate property is either his or hers, so community, you own together, that's basically everything that comes into the marriage during the marriage, And separate is the shit you brung with you, inheritances, gifts, a few other things, but those are separate property, but pretty much anything else is community. And get asked this all the time, well, what about the money I get paid? Are you married? It's community. What about the money she gets paid? It's community. You know, just because... um, you're the dude doesn't mean that you're not entitled to half of the community. And in certain circumstances, especially, uh, and I'm speaking for Texas, you may be entitled to more than half because of fault in the breakup. I mean, probably do a whole separate show on fault in the breakup, but beating and cheating uh, causes the victim to be entitled to more than half. Um, There's other situations where if you spend a whole bunch of separate property money like uh, you inherit a big chunk of dough and you put it all into a community asset like a business or the house you guys live in, then you have a right of reimbursement. Meaning that when the marriage blows up in your face, you can ask to get paid back that separate property money, your money, that you put into the y'all's money category. Now, there's things called tracing, which is where you have to prove where it came from, and a whole bunch of other stuff that goes into that that would bore you to tears. But suffice it to say, uh, any good divorce lawyer, okay, most good divorce lawyers, especially the real good divorce lawyers, know how all that works and know how to do it. They even know how to do a thing called a quadro that most of you have never even heard of before, which is a qualified domestic relations order, which is how you divide up someone's retirement when they haven't retired yet. That's right. All that money you've been squirreling away in that 401k or the SEP or whatever else your retirement plan is, that's y'all's. It's not just yours. People would always come in the office, well, her retirement's got this much and my retirement's got that much. I'm like, well, you know what? You may call it your retirement and her retirement, but it's y'all's retirement. So if you got, you know, four or $5 million in your 401k and your wannabe hairdresser wife has... 38 bucks in hers. Well, she's really got half of four or five million dollars plus 38 bucks. There are ways to structure your finances in a marriage that uh, prevent all of this, but that's a topic that's can get so complicated that we may not ever do a show on it, but if I get people requesting, then I might. Uh, like I said earlier, you can find me on Twitter at Evil Law Guide. You can find me on Facebook at Evil Lawyer, Evil Lawyer's Guide, and you can find me on the web at evillawyerguide.com. So if you really want to do me to do a show on some of these other issues, uh, drop me a line. Maybe I will. Back to the sneak attack, though. Um, in my experience representing sneak attack uh, female clients, I'm... I'm going to separate out the ones who are victims of abuse because if you're a victim of abuse and the only way you can get away is to start hiding assets, I don't put you in the same category as the sneak attack. Um, I, that's more like survival tactics. So when, yeah, you, I know who you are and there's like a thousand of you listening right now saying that's son of a, no, I'm not talking about women who, hide money or get another place to live or whatever because their husband is beating them or cheating on them or whatever. And uh, particularly with the physically abusive, you know, you got some psycho guy you got to get away from. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the I'm not happy, F him, I'm going to screw him out of everything I possibly can. And I can quote a potential client who told me one time, I don't care what it costs. I don't care what it takes. I will not be happy unless you destroy him. I don't want him to ever see his kids again. I don't want him to have any of his money. I want his business. If I can't have it, I want to destroy it. And I ended up sending her to another attorney because I did not want to be a party to that. Um, no matter how much I was going to get paid now. Okay. I'm really not quite that nice if she'd have written a big enough check i might have taken her up on it but i'm I, i'm not uh you know i'm not talking about well actually i am i am talking about the the raving psychopath who will be happy with nothing less than a patch of scorched earth where your nuts used to be that's what i'm talking about and ladies if uh you're a victim of a sneak attack divorce from a guy uh Just switch the pronouns because everything I'm going to say applies here. How do you know you're about to get sneak attacked? It wouldn't be a sneak attack if you knew it was coming, but there's ways to know. Um, Keep an eye on your finances. You start noticing bigger grocery budget, bigger utility budget, bigger, you know, if there's money missing and it's a trickle or a flood or whatever, then you may have a sneak attack coming. Hey, maybe she's just saving up to buy you a new Porsche, but maybe not. So keep an eye on your finances. Obviously, if someone starts putting a bunch of stuff in their name, um, that's a sure sign that number one they don't really know the law, but most people don't, and number two a sneak attack may be coming. Here's something you know most people don't know: uh, you start putting stuff in your name, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether it's in your name or not, unless the other person hires an idiot or can't afford a decent lawyer. What matters is where the money came from that bought it. If the money came from community, which means any money that y'all made during your marriage, it doesn't matter whose name it's in. It still belongs to both of you. Now, when you get into the higher end clientele, they are a lot more astute in matters of hiding things. You get multiple LLCs and what we call we used to call a fortress, which is an LLC with a blind trust and a corporation. And as long as, you know, as long as you can't track it, then you you can't, you can't do anything with it. I mean, you, you can try and force someone to divulge and people go to jail for this. You know, they get held in contempt because they won't divulge their assets. They won't answer discovery. Which is, you know, where your lawyer sends a bunch of questions to their lawyer, and, and you're, they're required to answer it. You know, the courts fine them and fine them and fine them, and eventually some judges will put them in jail, especially when child support's involved. They don't jail women for child support and non-payment, at least not very often, because I've only seen it once. And they don't seem to jail them for uh, failing to respond to discovery. So... Kind of another. It's a situation like you see in criminal defense law, where if a guy commits a crime, he gets X amount of years, and if a woman commits the same crime, she gets X amount of years minus twenty-five to fifty percent. I'm not whining. It's good to be a guy, but the laws are applied differently to men versus women, and don't get me started about how they're applied differently to different races. That's a whole different show. So how do you know a sneak attack is coming? Money starts disappearing. Your spouse starts acting less spousy. You can tell when somebody is unhappy in a relationship. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to bail and try and take all your shit. But, you know, if you if you realize that the other person is unhappy, you can do two things. You can try and fix it. Actually, you can do three things. You can try and fix it. You can ignore it. Or you can preemptively strike and sneak attack there at. I always tell guys, you know, don't move out of the house unless, you know, you're in a situation where you've got a psycho who's going to, you know, claim that you beat her up whether you did or not and protect yourself from that. We all carry around an entire recording studio, both video and audio in our pockets. So it shouldn't be too difficult for most of you to figure out how to protect yourself from false accusations Men and women, you know, it's not just women who make false accusations against their husbands. Guys do it too. Know it's coming by keeping an eye on your money. The old days of having no clue what your spouse makes or what they're doing with that money because that money is half yours. Now that we have no-fault divorce, and 80% of divorces are filed by women and 50% of first marriages into divorce, uh, 65% of second marriages, 75% of third marriages, 85% of fourth marriages. And if you get married a fifth time, you're just an idiot. And there's not even numbers on that. But with divorce rates that high, you can't afford to not pay attention to what's going on around you. You can't afford to not pay attention to the danger signs from your partner that they may be about to leave. So... When you have a I'm not happy type person who uh, ash cans relationships when they're, quote, not happy, first of all, don't marry that person to begin with. And don't accidentally marry him because Texas has a really weird common law statute. You don't have to live together for any prescribed period of time. You got to do some things. You got to hold yourself out as married. You got to intend to be married. But one night will do it. So that's something to keep in mind. Don't accidentally end up married. And believe it or not, I have had cases come across my desk where people were asserting common law when the other person really had no clue and they met the legal definitions of common law. And they're like, Wait, wait a minute, you know, I just put them on the taxes to try and save a couple of bucks. I'm like, well, I'm sorry you screwed yourself there, you know, because once you start putting them down as your wife, then you're holding yourself out as married. But there's a trick on uh, getting rid of a common law. And uh, if you need it, you'll have to call me. I'll tell it to you. I'm not going to put it on the broadcast because it's one of my favorite tricks and I just don't want everybody to know it. So... If you think you're about to get left, you probably are. What if you're one of those people who just goes to work and goes home and doesn't really pay a whole lot of attention to all this emotional, psychological BS and you got no idea? There's a lot of folks like that out there. Only thing I can say is, if you have a sneak attack, get yourself a damn good lawyer and hit them back twice as hard as they hit you. I did a case not in Dallas County. I did a case in a very, very conservative county where a guy came back from uh, service overseas and uh, he was a fairly high level dude and uh, pretty good income, came back from service overseas. And not only was everything missing from the house, the house had been stripped It looked as bad. I've had rental property where people stripped the house, I mean, all the way down to the studs. And his was almost that bad. All the built-ins were gone. The kitchen had been wrecked to get the built-ins out. The heating system, I mean, the house literally had been stripped down to the bones. All of his stuff was gone, and she took his dog. And when we got in front of the judge, I think the taking his dog part was the nail in the coffin. And if you're listening, you know I'm talking about you, but uh, no names. Um, When the judge learned that the dog had been taken, he rendered a substantial judgment for my client, and when the other side refused to pay the judgment, he rendered a spousal support judgment, which arguably was not even legal because you, at the time, couldn't get spousal support if you were working in uh, Texas, but... She had to to pay him off, and I don't recall whether she ever got it paid off or not. He's probably sitting on a multimillion dollar with interest and attorney's fees uh, judgment right now, which judgments eventually go away uh, after 10 years. A monetary judgment goes away unless you renew it, and then it's good for another 10 years. So, you know, if you want to spend 20 years of your life dodging somebody— Let them get a big fat judgment against you because that's what you're going to do. You're going to spend 20 years of your life hiding money and dodging them. So once you've been sneak attacked, get the best meanest divorce lawyer you can find and give them back twice what they gave you, male or female. I don't discriminate. Um, I just, like I said in the beginning of this show, in my experience, 20 20 years of uh, practicing family law, I think I've seen one male sneak attack. And it was one of those situations where my client was a, a woman of substantial wealth and her dirtbag husband was a man of constant sorrow. <laughs> he was—he came in with nothing and he was very determined to leave with everything. And um, he left with a little bit. He left with a lot for him. It wasn't a lot for her. And she was willing to pay the piper to get rid of this joker, but um in the beginning, he thought he was going to he was going to walk away with millions upon millions and he walked away with thousands. Another problem with the sneak attack, which so far I've just been talking about money, is kids. What do you do when you go to the school and your kids are gone? We have the um nationwide parental kidnapping statutes and everything else, but usually. If someone's going to go that far, they're going to allege all kinds of abuse and everything else. And whether it's true or not, you're probably not going to see your kids for quite a while and until it works its way through the court system, and, and then you're only going to see them if you win. That's something to keep in mind if you, before you marry somebody, if they're the histrionic drama queen or king who would tend to pull this kind of shit? You might want to think about just not marrying them. But if you are going to marry them, you're going to you're going to want a prenup. And, and prenups in in Texas are unenforceable when it comes to children. You can't determine the fate of a child before you have a child. And the Texas courts have ruled the best interest of the child is the standard by which all orders dealing with kids are to be rendered. So that can change. Therefore, that prenup that says um, you guys are going to do, you know, 50-50 and blah, blah, blah. Say you get to court, uh, the the court's not going to even look at it. And if they do look at it, they may look at it for your intent. But what they're really going to look at is, are you good parents? And if you've got 50-50 on there and you think that's going to protect you because now you're a meth head, it's not. And you're not going to be seeing those kids. Um, at what point does it rise to parental kidnapping? I would say after you know you file an answer and notify and get get temporary orders or go for temporary orders. If they're still hiding children, then you should start. Uh, you should tell your attorney to start asking the court uh, to render uh, visitation schedule, some temporary visitation schedule, because she's if she's of that mind, if there's no abuse and she's that kind of crazy and that kind of evil, or he's that kind of evil and that kind of crazy, then they're not going to follow that order. And a big part of being an attorney, in my opinion, and this is what's won me a lot of cases, is... Digging pits and watching the other people fall into them. So you get an order and, and your client's like, well, why in the hell did you even get that? They're not going to go by it. That's the whole idea. They're not going to go buy it. I know they're not going to go by it, but I need the order because when they don't go by it, I can run down to the judge and say, they're not going by this order, which is a everyman way of saying I can file a motion to enforce. And You stack up motions to enforce, and they continue to not follow them. And there's a little case in Texas that said that failing to follow court orders could be construed as something not in the best interest of the child. Here's the math. The court is required to order what's in the best interest of the child. The court issues an order. Somebody doesn't follow it. Therefore, they're not acting in the best interest of the child. So you stack up a couple, three, maybe four of those motions to enforce and the other side continues to ignore the court order. Usually around that time is when you actually get custody of the children from that person and then they're on the other side of the coin. And not only are they on the other side of the coin, they're in a much worse position than you were in because they have a history of not following court orders. And now your attorney can go down there and say, we want the passports We want supervised visitation. This person's nuts and they're hiding the kids and we don't know where they're gonna go with them next. Uh, they've got family overseas. That was one case uh, we had to jump on immediately in order to keep the, this was a father, from escaping the country and taking the children to a third world shithole that he used to live in where we would never be able to get them back. It's something to keep in mind, and I think a lot of the sneak attack stuff really comes back to choosing who you marry. If you've got somebody who's of a histrionic personality type who has no real boundaries, um, you know, they might be really fun in the sack, but they're not going to be fun to be married to, and they're really not going to be fun to get rid of. So when they decide they're done with you, or when you decide you're done with them, you are in for the ride of your life and it's going to make the effing you got. Look, the effing you're going to get is going to far surpass the effing you got. Had a, uh, had a client one time who I think his main reason for marrying this chick was that she would do threesomes. And I told him, I said, I would marry her if I were you because... She's a little too into the ladies, and they married her anyway, and they had one of the most brutal divorces I've ever seen, and shortly after it was over, uh, she settled down with another woman, and they're still together. So, you would be careful who you marry. If you've got somebody who has to have perfection all the time, or they're not happy, if you've got a nightmare girlfriend or boyfriend, uh, don't marry them, and don't accidentally marry him. By letting them live in your house and slapping them down on a document as your spouse when they're really not, I'm a little bit paranoid, perhaps. But I, I've I've had people live with me before, and I had them sign something when they moved in, saying that uh, we were not married. It's a real simple little one-page document, and I got the the funny look from one of them, but it it, it pretty much means that you're not going to have to deal with someone claiming common law at the end of it. And if you make a whole lot of money during that time you're living together, I've got a client right now who's dealing with this. Um, He wasn't very flush. Uh, I met this chick. They moved in together. Now he's a multimillionaire, and she's still a complete degenerate, doesn't have anything at all. And we were talking not too long ago, and um, I I was like, you know you guys are probably married, right? Right. he's like, "Eh, yeah, maybe. So, you know, you you don't want to have to deal with that. Fortunately, if 50% of all first marriages don't work out, then that means 50% do. So, bet on red, bet on black. But if you're going to bet on one of them, make sure you cover your ass. And with that, have an evil day.